0: And welcome to the second edition of Keeping It Wild, Offshore Wind, Whales in Nantucket. This is Amy DeSibio and Val Oliver with ACK for Whales. Val, you want to say hi?
1: Hi, everybody. Uh, Thanks for
0: tuning in. And we're real excited to have you listen to our special guest today. Yeah. So today we do have a special guest and her name is Lisa Linose. She's a founding member of a coalition we belong to called the Save the Right Whales Coalition. Lisa's been doing this for a long time. Since 2006, she served as the executive director for the Wind Action Group, and that's a national advocacy organization that analyzes the impacts and benefits of large-scale renewable energy development on the natural environment, upon communities and regional electricity grids. She also serves on the board of Michael Schellenberger's Environmental Progress, and we're super excited to have her here today. So um, thanks, Lisa, for joining us.
1: Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Val. I really appreciate being here.
0: Well, we're we're incredibly happy to have you here because, you know, you've got incredible experience. You've been a, a mentor for us. We've learned a lot from you. I think what we'd like to start talking about uh, right now would be, let's talk about the offshore wind development and just the sheer volume and size of what we're looking at.
1: Yeah. Okay. So in the United States right now, there are currently seven operating wind turbines they're small, six megawatt turbines each, totaling uh 30 megawatts, five turbines off the coast of Block Island, and two off the coast of Virginia. That is uh going to, and it's in the process of ex- exploding into millions of acres of ocean that will be covered with wind turbines. We have uh an area south of Massachusetts and Rhode Island right now that is about the size of the state of Rhode Island, that if all goes according to the desires of the Biden administration and the wind industry, will be covered in wind turbines, just 10, 12, 15 miles off the coast of Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. It's astonishing what is being proposed and what is actually under development at this point And, you know, we've been watching this really since the Cape Wind project, which many of your listeners may, I'm sure, are aware Cape Wind was proposed to be built within Nantucket Sound. So on one side of uh, on the north side of Nantucket Island, that project did not go through ultimately. But uh, what we have right now is a federal government that essentially is bound and determined to make it happen, make offshore wind work in the United States and and, um, at an enormous scale, much bigger than what even Cape Wind was looking at.
0: Yeah. And I would say that those small projects are hardly beta tests for what's coming, correct?
1: That is correct. They are very specific projects. Again, only seven of them. Only six megawatts each. Each one stands about 600 feet tall, as opposed to what is proposed off off of New England and New Jersey and the mid-Atlantic states, where we're up over 1,000 feet tall turbines, which is, you know, the world really hasn't seen anything that big before.
0: Well, I, it'd be great if we could talk a little bit, you know, in the last podcast, we talked about a little bit about the size uh, of these turbines and the magnitude and what they're composed of. But why don't we talk a little bit more about their impact on marine life? The, what will these? What will this big industrial build out do to marine life, particularly, yeah, that is, particularly the North Atlantic right whale, which is of utmost concern?
1: So this is an area that we really do not have a good understanding of it. And by we, I mean the federal agencies that are engaged in, in reviewing these projects and approving them and will be overseeing their construction and, uh, ensuring that the mitigations for, uh, impacts associated with these projects. No one really knows what the impact really will be because, because no one has ever experienced this level of industrialization of our ocean. Again, the area we're talking about is from uh, the coast of Massachusetts, easternmost coast of Massachusetts, from Cape Cod all the way down to North Carolina. Millions of acres that will be populated with wind turbines. These also happen, these areas coincide exactly where the North Atlantic right whale lives, breeds, migrates through, as well as humpbacks and other whales. It's in terms, if we were just to talk about the whales. These animals are not accustomed to having to swim through areas that are, that where we really are going to have um, towers that are embedded into the seabed. And there are right now, the way they're laid out, they're roughly one nautical mile apart in one direction and an eighth of a nautical mile apart in the other direction. So where there are a matrix of turbines and they're, they're, they're going to be obstructions. By themselves, they're going to create noise, not just not just the preparation for the projects, the construction of the project, but the actual operation of the project. They will be noisy, but do we know how noisy? We don't know. We do not know. We, we may be able to measure the noise associated with five turbines off the coast of Block Island. Again, those are half the size of these turbines, and they're just five in a concentrated area. What does the noise sound like when you put thousands? of these turbines up. We have no idea. And and so the wildlife is going to have to contend with these obstructions. They're gonna have to uh, contend with the noise associated with them. These animals are not going to, we we don't know how they're going to react. And that therein lies one of the biggest issues we have around these projects that once they get built, then the way the plan is set up right now, once the projects are built and operational, that's when we're going to go back and determine the impacts and how we're going and also come to some conclusion about how to mitigate for those impacts. Seems By that point, there's it's too late.
0: So can you give us um a, a and that's a, you know astonishing to hear that that's the plan, right? Let's let's you know do a research project in the in the home of a critically endangered species and see what sticks. But um but can you give everyone a, an understanding of what we're talking about? If you're fi- if you're a whale or a fish in the in the ocean, what are you seeing underwater? What's the what is what's happening underwater? What are the size of the bases? And talk about scour protection and and the plow driving and pile driving a little bit. Would you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so the basically three. Components or elements to the construction of these projects. The first part is this where they go back into, they use sonar to map the seabed. Okay. I'd like to talk about that in a little bit. This, and then once they've understand what the, understand what the seabed looks like. So whenever you're going to do any kind of construction on land, offshore, you need to understand what it is that you're going to be building into. Are you going to run into sandy soils? Are you going to run into hard pack? Uh, are large boulders and stones and very thick uh, dense uh, materials so that you, in order to minimize your costs in constructing the project, you need to know where those where it's safe and easiest to build the turbines. These turbines then are pile driven. they are literally hammered into the ground in the seabed and those the turbines themselves have a diameter of about 33 feet. They are enormous. Wow. They are enormous. I mean, if you imagine your house, that's perhaps the width of someone's house. Um, and that that is pounded in, hammered into the seabed down to as much as 100 feet. Okay, that's at least the area that they're investigating. We're not sure how ultimately how deep they're going to go. It will vary depending upon on what this the subsurface looks like. And that 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 is enormously noisy. I mean, that is when when people talk about the noise associated with um, sonar that is done with oil and gas exploration. This is as loud as that, or louder. The pile driving, and that will last for the Vineyard Wind project, which is currently under construction off the coast of Nantucket. That it, they're going to be pile driving for months and months. They've been pile driving. They started pile driving in May, June timeframe of 2023. They stopped at the end of December because of the North Atlantic right whale, which which is ex- normally in the area in large concentrations in December, January, February, March, they'll pick up again in April, May timeframe. So that's the construction side of it. And then when we get the next part is the actual operation. So we we can measure the noise. That is produced from the sonar. We can measure the noise that's produced from the, um, pile driving. But the, the interesting thing about that, uh, cause the, the wildlife right now, there is, there has never been any, um, oil and gas exploration in the, along the East Coast continental shelf. Okay. So what do we have actually now before any of this turbine development is going to happen? We have. Cargo ships. We have, uh you know, we have industrial shipping that's happening. That's generally confined to lanes. You could and you could see if you go onto and some of the map, shipping maps, you could see there are areas lit, like roads or lanes, and and these ships actually stay within these areas. So you can measure out to how far the noise from these from this these large ships will travel. So that's an area that the whales for decades have accommodate it or have become accustomed to they know how generally how to avoid it we know that the uh areas where the turbines are proposed to be built right now in southern new england and also off the coast of uh, the mid-atlantic states those areas by and large when we when we spent time as Save Right Whales investigating traffic in these areas. We found by and large that the only activity, ship, uh, boating activity that happens in these areas are pleasure boats and fishing boats. Pleasure boats and fishing boats. When when you look at the maps, certain times of the year, you see very little. You're not going to see a lot of fishing boats and pleasure boats in the wintertime. This is an area where the whales just have free reign. You have uh, then you have also over the course of a year, if you track any of these boats, there's very little activity compared to what you see, let's say, very close to the coast. This is now, again, boat activity, very close to the boat where you have ferries and other transports, activity that's happening very close, not not 15 miles offshore, but between Nantucket and Massachusetts, between uh, the, the mainland of Massachusetts, between Long Island and the mainland of Connecticut, New York. you see a lot of boat activity that's generally not where you're seeing the whales again the whales typically typically are being found in the very areas where they're building the projects um and then that's that and that's what what is the whale going to experience well when you if you're underwater and you're anywhere near these projects you're going to see columns of of towers that are 30 at at their base in the very the deepest part they're going to be 30 feet wide in diameter and they narrow as they go up but still that we're talking that water is is typically between 60 and 75 feet deep so then it then they narrow as they get up taller but still i'm not I, I don't know what their width is as you get up near the to sell the very yeah. top part of it but so that's what they're going to see. That's what we will see. That's what the fishing fishing industry is very upset about this as well, because that one nautical mile is not a lot of space on the ocean. You, you can reach that pretty quickly, and you're going. And these the enormity of the towers. They're going to look much closer than they that. Lisa, usually. tell
0: us a little bit about the. Um... The report that was put out, the recent, say, you know, around the uh, wind industry activity and the correlation with whale deaths. Can you talk
1: about that a little bit? So, thanks for that question. Over the last year, I worked closely with Eric Turner, a gentleman out of Virginia. My, what we did was we looked at vessel track activity and tried to figure out why the whales were starting to die we saw large large numbers of whales starting to die beginning december 2022 and then all through 2023 and what we found was twofold one the vessel activity that's happening within the wind lease areas has been extensive and extraordinary and much more than what the whales have ever had to deal with prior to these wind lease areas being allocated second we found that when what the what's happening in those wind lease areas is sonar activity activity that which we discussed where the wind developer is mapping the seabed that noise that's being introduced into the lease area is much louder we found than what the federal government was told by the wind industry and we believe that by a sonifying this area by just Filling these wind lease areas with very loud noise, more than what was expected, more than what they, than they were told, and a lot more boat activity that has displaced the whales and caused them to potentially beach themselves. Again, it's a correlation, not causation. We want an investigation to um, be undertaken to validate that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be that sounds to me like a pretty normal science experiment, right? You see correlation and you make that the hypothesis and you try to disprove it. But instead, what are we hearing? Crickets. (laughs) Crickets. Or, well, what else do we hear? You know, we're really hearing that there is no correlation and they haven't tested very many of the whales, correct?
1: That is exactly right. Federal government has taken no action. They've determined without really any evidence that this activity is not harming the whales and and they will not take any action further beyond that. Is it beyond just what they've said
0: they were going to do or, or this was sort of a, it, it wasn't this part of the approval process? Is it a little bit more formal than just here are the levels and of what we think might happen or was it more tied to the approvals? The, so the, the
1: approval, portion what we're talking about here in terms of the sonar is the the incidental harassment authorizations these are uh, permits that the wind developers seek from the federal agency for permission to create loud noise in the water because they know i mean by default if they're going to create this very loud noise within the wild whale habitat they know it's going to be harmful And so they need permission and then the federal government will allow for it to happen through this incidental harassment authorization permit with conditions.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting um, is that the government agencies who are issuing these permits have actually allowed or, or granted more harassment permits, you know, take permits than there are actually of the species. So they are actually permitting the extinction of the North Atlantic right whale. Right. And, and, and species that they have on the critically endangered list. They, right. They're breaking their own laws. Is that unusual, Lisa?
1: I find it unbelievable. <laughs> I've worked a lot with onshore wind projects and there was, in, in nearly 20 years of working on this, I've not seen where a developer willingly took out a harassment or take permit on a critically endangered and yet here it's happening with with, without any real concern from the environment for all of the
0: projects not just vineyard wind all of them have been granted permits to take well i think one of the issues too lisa would be that they've looked at the, this first project, the Vineyard Wind project, as as a as if it's the only project that's showing up. Too, that's another big part of the problem, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, they're not looking at this as a what's really coming. We're not talking about sixty-two turbines. We're talking about 13, 1,400 turbines in a lease area overall that's larger than the state of Rhode Island.
1: That's correct, and and. Of course, there's so much vested interest in getting Vineyard Wind built because if that project were stopped by any means, it would uh, potentially stop any project coming down the pipe. It would just it would hit it. It would be a blow to the effort if it, especially if it was stopped in environmental reasons.
0: Well, that's what Act for Wales is trying to do. You know, Val Oliver, you know, on the on the uh, call here is uh, you know led the charge on that. So she's. You know, she and Act for Wales have a, a lawsuit that's in the US appeals court right now. And we're hoping for exactly that because this has been irresponsible. We are going to have you back very soon, Lisa. So everybody, there's a lot more to this story with Lisa Linose, uh, as we mentioned, a, a real expert and, um, and, a, and a friend and a real mentor to Val and to me and to our organization, so many others. Uh, as we said, she's the founding member of Save the Right Whales Coalition. So for now, uh, we're going to just hope that we can keep on keeping it wild, offshore wind, whales and Nantucket. And uh, this is Amy and Val saying uh, thank you. And Lisa, thank you so much for being on today.
1: Thank you. Thank you.